um, Olivia to come, and Olivia's going to do a reading this morning. Olivia, I want you to pray for Olivia. Olivia is our um, Bible college student, and she's on placement with us this year, as well as Jordan in his third year. We've Olivia now in first year, and um, just wanted to give her a wee opportunity this morning to be able to help in the work of ministry. So she's going to do the reading this morning for us. Good morning, church. Um, if you would turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3, and I'm going to read from there. Okay. So, is everybody all ready? Okay. Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the woman are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that I am delayed. if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Beyond all question, the mystery from which the true godliness springs is great. He appeared in the flesh, which was vindicted by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, and was taken up in glory. Thank you, Olivia. Father, this morning, we want to conduct our relationship with you well, our relationship with each other well, and we want to conduct the affairs of this church well. And Lord, we look to you. We look to your word this morning. We look to what it is you say. And Father, Lord, this morning we pray as we would go through, Father, what is a very practical word, but Lord, a very important word. Because Father, Lord, this is the way the Father you have called us to live and how to be cared for and how, Father God, that we would look to see those who would take care of us as a church family. And I pray, the Father God, that in your grace and by the leading of your Holy Spirit, that, Lord, we would use what is in front of us to help us make the decisions, to make this a good place where people are well cared for, well looked after, that, Father God, that we become a good household known to conduct its affairs well. So, Lord, we pray that, Holy Spirit, this morning you will teach us and that we will be open in our hearts to your grace, that we will be open to listen to what you say through your word and that we will be attentive to your grace, that we would look at this in grace for the benefit of all. In Jesus' precious name, amen. And amen. As I said, church, a very practical sermon this morning again, but it's an important one for us to look at as East Point as we establish new elders within um, the church. And this morning what I want to do is basically just lay it down on the line, really to explain what the Bible says about all of this. 
um, elders of responsibility for the spiritual oversight of the church, the body, the shepherding of the flock. And we've joint responsibility with, you know, others within the church to help, like our directors, to help the smooth running of the church as well. And, you know, there's those in the church, obviously, then, that will deliver, um, obviously, like the staff, myself, and, well, I say staff, we have no staff yet, only me. I'm looking to the future. Yeah. And I believe God will grow us as a church that we will need other people to come and help us and they will deliver some of the things that need to be done. Now, the first thing the Bible tells us, the role of an elder is to manage the church. If they can't manage their family well, they're not going to manage the church well. That's one of the first things that we learned this morning. Elders are to oversee the spiritual life of the church. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and 12, the word rule that it'll talk about there, or in the old King James Version, it talks about those who are over you in the Lord. It basically means who take charge over you. But it's not an authoritarian way. It's those who have a charge over you by God, who have a heart for you, to look after you, to care for you in the things of God. Um, and there's a few scriptures there that we've read, First Timothy 3 this morning, but First Timothy 5 and 7. We'll just look at that one, and it says this. Give the people these instructions that no one may be open to blame. There's a protection that the elders are there for, that nobody would be open to blame, that we look after one another and care for each other. The second thing that an elder does is this. They model the core values of the church. They model the core values of the church. Elders are to be scriptural, spiritual role models. They are to emulate what the Word of God says. And there are people that we can look to who will illustrate the Word of God, not even through what they teach and what they say, but how they live, that we will see the Word of God operate in them. And it's to have a rightly ordered life that they may bring glory to God. But here's the truth of it. We all should be living that way. That's the aim for all of us, not just the elders of the church. We should all want to live in such a way that we bring glory to God and that we would honor God. And we want our elders to model the values of this church. People, when we come to pray about this, when we come to see God for it, you're wanting to look for people who will value the presence of God. Do you see people who are going to be caring for you as people who really seek the presence of God? that love the presence of God, that they're open to worship and all that we do here and that they're living in that spirit of worship within the church. They put a value. They're to take care of the flock. They're to be people who have a heart for people. Not just the people in here, but we exist not just for ourselves, but those outside. So they're going to be a person that will have a heart for us as a church, but also for those that the Lord will bring in to the church that we're called to serve and also for the purposes of Christ. Someone that you know is wanted to be Christ-like themselves, but also has a, a joy and has a heart to work with other people, that they are discipled and they become more like Jesus too. First Peter 5, 1 to 3, and the verse we'll just look up maybe as the third verse there, and it says this, they're being examples to the flock. That's where we got that line from, that they model the value of the church, that they are an example to the church, an example to the flock. So it's somebody that you know is a real example, somebody that you can, in fact, look up to. You want to choose an elder who is praying, a prayerful person. Elders are to pray for the spiritual and the physical well-being of the church. And we see these scriptures here. Um, we know that from the, or the reason why um, the disciples were chosen was that God's people could be set free to do prayer in the word. The deacons were put in place so that the administration would be taken away from those that were the spiritual leaders of the church so that they could pray for the people and they could minister in the word. And that's why we thank God for our directors. They take away the administration to free me at this present time to do the word. 
and to pray and say, God, and we want elders who will be praying people. So if they're going to be praying people, and we see in James it says, if we look at this next scripture, that they are people who will obviously come and pray for you if you're not well. It says, if anyone's sick among you, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make that person well and that they will rise up. If they've sinned, they will be forgiven. I think then you want also someone who's going to be an elder to be a person of faith. Somebody that you know, if you're not well, they're going to come and they're going to pray over you and they're going to believe. They're going to believe that God's going to meet you at your need. They're going to believe even whatever you're going through in your life, somebody that'll come alongside you and covenant with you and believe that God will have an impact on your life because they really have a great faith in God. And that's the type of people we want to be our elders. The fourth thing is teaching. An elder should be able to teach, exhort the word of God. Exodus 1, or sorry, Titus 1 and 9, um, the Greek word there, parakaleto, um, basically means, and I love this, it's to call near. You want an elder who you know who can sit down beside you, and when you're struggling with something in your life, can share the word with you can open the scriptures and point you to the scripture. If you're having doubts about something or you don't understand something, someone that you can know will come beside you and will say, this is what the scripture says. Let's talk about this. Let's read this together. Let's see what the word of God is saying for us in our day. The New Testament sees that ministry of exhortation in these ways. It involves persuasion, Acts 2, 14. It involves pleading, when it comes to the Word of God, 2 Corinthians 8 and 17. It involves comfort, 1 Thessalonians 2 and 11. It involves encouragement with the Word, 1 Thessalonians even 4 and 1. And the patient reiteration of important doctrine, 1 Tim, or 2 Timothy 4 and 2. Do you know, when I was looking at this again last night and this morning, I was looking at that line, patient reiteration of important doctrine. Do you know, church, even for me to do this again this week and get it prepared and all the rest of it was good for me because you forget things, don't you? And it's good to go over it and remember it. Our difficulty is in the day we live in within church life even is this. We're wanting the latest, aren't we? We're looking for the latest gadget. There's a wee advert on the TV at the minute, I can't think it's EE or something like that, where one neighbour gets the best gadget before the next neighbour and they're trying to outdo each other. And we live, what's next, what's next? We want everything really, really quick. The latest of this, the latest of that, what's happening now? But here we're told that we need to have patience reiterating the word of God. It's not the latest thing that's going to get us more deeper with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's these old good, godly, living truths. And church, we need to come back to them again and again, to have them in our heart, to have them in our souls. And that means just as a pastor or an elder needs to be patient in teaching it, you as a church need to be patient in receiving it. You know, we have gone and, you know, it's, it is, we're living in days where everything, you know, want, in fact, to understand this, if you did some reading around church growth and church leadership, there's a thing called TED, and what it is, it's short, sharp sermons. And it's because they're saying how people's attention spans isn't that great, and that's what people need, friends, it's not what people need. People need to commit themselves to the truth of God's word and they need to study to show themselves approved unto God men that are fit for work and ministry. And that means digging deep sometimes, church. And it means sometimes going back and looking at something again and reading it again and looking at it maybe sometimes with fresh eyes to see where we are that we deepen our roots in God. You know, I think we, we've went through, even in our own culture for years there, you know, especially in charismatic Pentecostal circles. Where, I mean, the last decade, there's been, you know, this revival and that revival. And there's people ban flights to go over to these revivals. And, you know, it's good to chase God. But God's as here as he is, much here as he is over there. And I'm not knocking anybody that does that, but what I'm saying is God's here and we come to know God through the presence of the Holy Spirit who is with us and through the teaching of his word. 
And we need to be open to be taught and to live in God's word. And friend, what I would say to you this morning, even this, no matter how spiritual somebody comes across to you, beware if they don't have a teachable spirit. Beware if they're not open to be taught. Beware if they're constantly questioning teaching. Now, the Bereans went and made sure that what the apostles were preaching was true. But when it comes to a time, friends, when somebody just constantly seems to be questioning everything, there's probably an unteachable spirit there. And that's not good, church. All of us need to be open, no matter how long you're on the road with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's always something new to learn, isn't there? You know, we did a thing in one of our other churches, and I think I've shared this with you before, where it was called the Bible Experience, and we were all given New Testaments, and all the chapters were taken out, and all the, the verse numbers were taken out. It was read like a novel. And um, f- some of our folk at the beginning found it very hard, and then they started to read it. And I had people who were on the road for 30 and 40 years saying to me, I never saw that before in the Word. Because they were reading it in a different way, they were starting to see stuff that they hadn't seen before. And here's the truth, that no matter how long you're saved, you should always be open to be taught. Our understanding of sometimes words within Scripture. Now, ladies, in this row here, I'm going to take you back a wee bit. But do you remember the time on a Sunday morning you wouldn't have come to the Lord's house? We had a hat in your head. Yeah. What type of Christians are there. <laughs> But you wouldn't have. And you were glad when somebody explained because of a misunderstanding that being under authority was not having a covering on your head. When we had a better understanding of Greek and sometimes our Hebrew, we start to re-change some of our thinking as we get a better understanding. That's why we constantly go back to the Word and we look at it and we learn to make good decisions for everyone. And that's important. Always keep your spirit open. Never think, I know it all. I've got it all now. You need to have that humble spirit to be teachable. And that's a part of what our eldership needs to be as well. People who not only teach, but we all need to be teachable too. Even our elders need to be teachable. They need to be people to realize that they don't have it all. Your pastor needs to be in that place as well, where we don't have it all, that we're constantly learning things about Scripture and we're trying to implement them to make us be better followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you with me on that one? Okay. Here's another job of an elder. The other job of an elder is to protect. And here's a few things that the elder needs to protect. And you need to know that when it comes to the time when our partners, I will pray and I will be seeking God for who it is to be elders among us. But as our partners come to verify that, these are things that you need to be watching out for. Because we can get it wrong too. And this is just checks and balances. And we give you an opportunity to say, yes, that's the word, that's the right thing, and that's a good thing. But the persons that come and minister to us and care for us, they need to have a, a heart to know doctrine. Now, I'm not saying they need to go to Bible college and they need to have a theological degree and they need to be able to spell big words, but they need to be able to have an understanding of God's word and the ability to go and check things out, to make sure that what is being taught in church is right, that it is scriptural, not man's interpretation, but it is scriptural and that we are teaching right. And when sometimes the latest thing does come into church, that there are men and women leaders who will make sure that they know it's okay not to allow it to infiltrate the church. You know, we did talk there about, you know, how, you know, we look at God's word and maybe we see something different that we've never seen before in word, or we see a different interpretation of something or a different look, but that still needs to be checked out if that's right or not. And you need elders that have that ability to be able to say, well, look, I'll go and study that, I will pray about that, and make sure that's right. Elders who will come alongside that because of doctrinal error means your practice can be wrong. 
And you can live out of God's word, live outside of God's word. So an elder needs to be a person who can also come alongside someone and say, listen, your attitude, your heart's not what the Bible says. We need to tweak that, we need to change that, that we become in line with the word of God. And not needs to have a person who's an elder needs to have that spirit to come alongside with the truth of God's word. The other thing is as well, and sorry boys, I know you have a list of scriptures down there and I'm whizzing by and probably not... Um, keeping up with some of those, um, just to get that back in order to help you. Titus 1 um, and 9 there. Okay, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose the word of God. An elder also needs to protect the flock from this thing. And I'm going, to, I'm going to spend a bit of time in this this morning, church, because this is the killer of the church in this generation, and it always has been, and it's this divisiveness. And unfortunately, there are those people who carry, I believe, I don't believe it's just for some people a trait, but I believe it's a spiritual thing. There are sometimes people carry a spirit of divisiveness, and we need elders to be able to protect the flock from that because when the spirit of divisiveness is rife within a church, it will ruin a church. It will cause a church not to get where God wants them to be. You know, Watchman Nee said this, the divisive ones are aggressive to form parties. Instead of doing it together, instead of wanting to work with a heart together for the kingdom of God, divisive people will want their regroup. We see in 1 Corinthians 1 and 10, you know, we see the scripture that talks about how, um, you know, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say and what there will be no divisions among you, but you will be perfect, united in mind and in thought. God has called us to be of one heart and one mind, and that's what we need to be working towards. We as the people of God, that's our goal. You know, we need to work to be of one of heart and not being divisive. And it goes on in 1 Corinthians to say, actually, is Christ divided? And all of that in 1 Corinthians 10 was about, I would rather have Paulus, I would rather have Peter, I would rather have this style of leadership, I would want his leadership, I would want that leadership. Here's the Apostle Paul saying, guys, be of one heart. Go with what you've got. Get behind whoever God's given you and go with that because there's dangers when we become divisive over doctrine, belief. Even some of the stuff that we're talking about just now, church, if we end up becoming divided in all of that, it will stop us from actually going on to do what God wants us to do. Thessalonians, or didn't put it up, but Titus 3 and 11 says, a divisive person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. The Greek word for warp there actually means someone who is twisted, who will turn and twist. People who will try to turn somebody against somebody else. People who will twist in themselves and be twisted and cause division and difficulty within church life. And yet Jesus says, be you one as I as one. Be you one as I am one. That's what God wants us to work towards. He wants us to work towards being one and going all in the one direction to follow the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus himself, and to be of one heart. To do the goals. And oftentimes what happens in church life, we become divided about the wee minor things. And while we fight about those and discuss those things and get all worked up about those things, we're not actually doing what God called us to do. And that is the danger of that divisiveness. Korah is probably um, the Bible's most famous divisive person. And number 16 and 3 tells us, he told Moses and Aaron this, you take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. And when they do, or sorry, why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? In other words, what Korah was saying to Moses and Armas, who do you think you are? Do you think you're better than the rest of us? Stand up there telling the rest of us what to do. Who do you think you are? 
but he came across like he was helping the people. But what Korah didn't bring across and forgot was this. Moses never asked to lead the people. If you go back into the history of it, Moses didn't even want to be a leader. Can you not send somebody else, Lord? I can't speak. And the Lord only tagged arm because of Moses' stutter. Friends, most people, well, not most people, but there's an awful lot of people who are serving in church today as elders do it so in pastors because they know it's a call in their life. And for many people, if they could be doing something else, they would be doing something else, but they know God said they had to do it and they had to be obedient. And it's not a case of wanting to be above people or order people. But in fact, one of the things when you choose elders is that they cannot be someone who will lord it over people. They have to have a humility of spirit. But this wee geezer here, he's saying, you think you're better than the rest of us? Why should we all follow you? And right there and then, those that this man was leading and this man himself, God opened up the ground and the ground swallowed them. I think just what the Lord's telling us, there's an easier and there's a better way. And Jesus prayed that way. He says, will you be one? Work to be one of heart. Forget the personalities. Work for the purposes. The important purposes for the things of God. You know, friends, divisive people occupy, often will lead easily led people into their conflict. And instead of encouraging them to go on in ministry and do the work of God, people then step back from the work of God and the work of God suffers. And that's not what the Lord would have us to do. The Lord would have us to encourage ourselves using our words to build each other up and to encourage each other up to do the work of God, that we would be successful in the things of God. Often divisiveness, church, destroys the joy in a church. People at edge with one another. The Lord says, be ye one. Be one, work to be one. And get on with the work of God. I would encourage you if you would go, I hope I'm saying this man's name right, but I think it's Scott LePerry and you can Google him and um, he writes about six reasons to avoid divisive people. Six reasons why we should avoid divisive people. But when we go to affirm an elder, you want someone who will handle those situations appropriately and right for the glory of God. Why? Because we want to look after you. We don't want church to be a battlefield. The only enemy is the enemy. We're not the enemy. And we always should be working to be behind each other, to encourage each other, and to love each other. Some churches, and we all probably could name them this morning, but we've seen churches that just seem to have one division and one split after the other. Churches says it's going to be this church. We will work for the glory of God and we will work to what Jesus said. We will align ourselves to God's word and God's word tells us we will be one. We will be one. And we have to work for that oneness. No matter what we go through, no matter what we do, we have to look at the word of God and we align ourselves with the word of God. And friends, you want to have good elders who you know and sometimes the only way to get over divisiveness is to bring in discipline scriptural discipline and you want people who will be fair who will sit and sometimes we need to have our elders to come in and uh, sit with people and talk with people and to sort issues out sometimes minor issues that can grow into bigger bigger things and again church i'm going to say some things are really really aren't as important as same people one from from uh, hell and that's the work god called us to to go out and make disciples, to see people one from hell. I've heard horrible stories of churches falling out because the organ was moved two centers to the left. And we're laughing, but it has happened. Somebody told me a story recently about a big fallout in church over a, a china cup. 
sure the Holy Spirit must be grieved when he said, I've given you an amazing mission. I've given you an amazing mission that you can go out there with you, me and you and you can see lives changed. Hearts changed. People turning away from a lost eternity to kingdom eternity. And sometimes we're, all we're worried about is who's doing what and what that one's saying against that one. The Bible actually says when we get into that situation, we actually end up devouring ourselves. And I always thought there was only one devourer, and that was the enemy. So therefore, when we're devouring each other and we're nipping at each other's heels, do you know what we're doing? Is we're working with the enemy. That's all we're doing, church. We need to keep ourselves in check and our spirit in check this morning. And church, we need to realize that if we get men and women to come and be our elders among us, they need to be people who can handle those situations well. If you want references to that, 1 Corinthians 5, if you read that whole chapter, there was a situation there where elders had to sort things out. Of course, Matthew 18 as well. Oh, time has really gone, right? They're also to support our leader, our, our, our lead pastor, which would happen to be me, and our future staff. I want a group of elders, when we have staff, that when we have a meeting, we'll come in and they'll share their hearts and encourage them. Church, I'm only one man. I need an hour and an hour. I need people that I can trust with your concerns that I know will keep that confidential and they will lift my hands up and encourage me. And also people that I can be accountable to. I'm only human. I know God called me into this ministry when I was a wee boy. I have no doubt about that. I can still take you to a spot in Dundonald where I knew the Spirit of God spoke to others and spoke to me. I can take you to a spot in East Belfast where God's Spirit broke through in a meeting and the word was you've been called since you were young to preach the word. I have no doubt about the call. Maybe sometimes we be a bit like Moses and it's like, Lord, could you not pick somebody else? Yeah? Because you're only human. But when we have elders, you need to be praying when you affirm those elders that you know that they will be people who will encourage our, me, future pastors, future staff, that they will encourage them on, that they will read the word with them, that they will be their counsel, they will be their encouragement, that they will pray for the pastor, pray over the pastor, the pastor can go and see them and they will love the pastor and encourage the pastor and other staff. But also, guys, we are only human. And I'm going to talk about another thing in a wee second here as well, but we need men and women that there can be mutual accountability, watching over each other's souls. I do have people in my life that I call my accountability partners. People who are in ministry who will, and sometimes, sorry, when stuff comes up, I'll maybe talk to them and they'll say to me, Stephen, you need to watch your spirit there. Are your spirits right there? No, you're doing the right thing. Because we're only human. And sometimes we all have thought in our life we've heard God only to find out it was the cheese we had the night before. It's not right. Yeah, I'm being honest with you, church, this morning. We're just human. So a part of having other elders in the church is that there's mutual accountability, one with the other, that we're doing what we're doing right. So let me just bring this, that part quickly to close, and I'm going to have to rush through the rest of it, guys. Or, well, if this, this series will be as long as Acts. <laughs> okay, so we need to... Need to really, but here's one more wee line, and I think this is very important. There needs to be mutual submission with fellow elders. We need to submit one to the other so that we can make the best decisions for you as a family. So we need men and women around us who will have a heart to work it out. John MacArthur says an amazing thing. He says, you know, when there comes a point when there's maybe even, a, not, maybe division's too strong for it, but maybe when elders don't see eye to eye, do you know what they're supposed to do? Fast, pray, study God's word till they come to agreeance of mind because they've got one mind and one spirit. If they need to take longer out and time out to work things through, that's okay. But they need to come to that one heart because there's one God and one spirit 
and we need to work in that realm. So there need to be a people who have that spirit to work alongside people. That are open to work alongside people. That are willing, yes, to hear God's word and to speak God's word and to speak the truth and not be afraid to speak truth. But also there needs to be a willingness of someone who will work together with that heart for togetherness for that. Because at the end of the day, the decisions we need to make is not about ourselves as an eldership, but they're to be good decisions made for you. Because you guys are the important ones in this as we shepherd the flock together. So that's the role of an elder. Now guys, I am going to have to whiz through this next part. You'd be now thinking you wish you'd brought your sandwiches this morning. Okay. Now here are the important things. When we choose maybe an elder, one elder to begin with, or elders later on, whatever way we do this, our partners are going to be asked, those that come into membership, our partners are going to be asked then to take an affirmation vote to say we bless these people and we believe they're the right people to be our elders within the church. All checks and balances that we're doing it right. That it's not just left up to one person who has sought God, but we're all saying in oneness and agreeance, we're behind this, that we make that the right thing to do. And I would encourage you, maybe later on when we go to do this, we'll give you some of this material as well that you can make sure and we'll get you to read those scriptures again yourself. But quickly we're going to go through what the Bible says the character of an elder should be. Okay? Are you ready to go with this? Whiz through it? Okay? They need to be above reproach. Blameless. Now it doesn't mean to say that they're sinless. That they have never done anything wrong. But there can't be anything in that person's life that can be led hold off that can cause the church to be brought into disgrace. So it has to be someone who's above reproach and someone who is blameless. They have to be faithful to their wife. Now next week I'm going to talk about women in leadership. Now I would say in modern terms that should be they need to be faithful to their partner. Now some of you might want to beat me up about that one but that's where I stand and you need to know that. But here's why. In those days, and what it means one wife at a time, because in those days there was a lot of polygamy. And what they were saying is you can't be an elder and have three or four partners. It was one partner, be faithful to that partner at a time. And those of us that are all married are probably all thinking the same thing just now. One's enough. It's hard enough, isn't it? With I could you imagine three or four? Yeah, there you go. I love you, love. <laughs> Forgot she was here this morning. <laughs> have you got no supper tonight? <laughs> they need to be temperate. And Titus tells they need to be disciplined. Same thing. What it basically means is this. They need to be watchful of themselves, in control of themselves. And that goes on to the next bit. It talks about being self-controlled. That they have a seriousness of purpose. That they, they're, they're focused on what they are supposed to be. They're focused on their walk with God. And that they keep themselves in check. That they become that good example by keeping their lives in check. Scripture also says they should be respectable orderly and have an orderly life the people actually look up to these people and say these are people that are, that are trying and here's the thing church i'm going to give you all of this list and we're all going to go where are we going to find that person on all honesty it's a very high list very high list but this is where we need to aim for they need to be hospitable now, not only does an elder teaches the truth of the word and teaches doctrine, but primarily they minister to people. So if you're going to get an elder, let's get an elder that actually likes people. Not aloof, but someone who actually enjoys being around people, who's open in their spirit, that people feel they can approach the people can go and talk to that person, that it's an likable person. Their hearts, their hands, and their homes need to be open. Church, we've always, and I know it's a wee bit difficult because of where we live, but we have always, as Pastor Sean and I have always had an open house policy. We have never, ever shunned people away from our home. Our door's always open. All we would say to people is this, do us a wee favor. If you're coming to say us, just give us a wee ring and let us know you're coming so I can get out of my pajamas. Because there's some nights we, like, like you, 
just like to sit in their jammies in front of the fire. Very often do we get to do it, but sometimes, and when somebody comes to your door and you're not, you know what I mean, it's a bit embarrassing. So it's nice to know somebody's coming. And here's the other thing, you see, us Irish folk are still a wee bit the same. If you have to go to the pastor's house, there's something wrong. Okay, and I've had it situations where somebody has already been in one room and somebody else has come into the house and I'm thinking, oh, they're here because they're sharing this deep, darkest thing and they're going through this. And I don't want them to know that they're not all the rest of it and how awkward that is. And that's the only reason why we would say to people, look, our door's open. You can come and see us. And if you want to travel down to Dromore, you're more than welcome to come and see us. But just let us know you're coming. And do you know something, even in a pastor's home, there doesn't always have to be a problem to come and see us. You might want to come and share good news with us. You might just want to come and say, I haven't seen you for a wee while. Be lovely to sit and have a cup of coffee. But don't take me to my house. My coffee's rotten. Take me out for a cup of coffee if you're going to do that. Okay? But they need to be hospitable. So you're looking for people as elders who have a warmness about them that you know you will be able to relate to. Okay, very quickly, guys. We're going on to our next slide. I need to be able to teach... Titus tells, encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Okay, so they need not only to be able to be people who stand up here and teach, and not every elder is comfortable with that, but they still need to be able to do it. For instance, if I was good to go down with cholera, they need to be able to stand in. Okay, but you do need people who have a bit of savvy that way around it. But sometimes that teaching can also be in small groups. It can be communicating. And communicating by their lifestyle is often the greatest form of teaching. So they need to be people who have that ability to teach. They're not to be given to drunkenness. They have to be temperate, not addicted. And there's many other addictions out there today as well. And we need to know that these people are working a lot. Listen, we've all got our foibles. We've all done stuff that we're not proud of. That's why we're saying here an elder's not... It's never going to be someone who's sinless. There was only one person that was sinless. But they need to be people who are committed to the love of God and the work of God and the grace of God. And when they do struggle in themselves, you need to know that they're people who go to the Word and try and sort themselves out with God. And I don't think we can ask any more of anybody, can we really, at the end of the day? They need to be gentle, a gentle spirit. I love Philippians 4 and 5, and I think this is not just for our elders, but this is for every individual I believe in church. Let your gentleness be known to all men. We should be known as a gentle people. Not a warring, fighting people, but a gentle people. Because there's a gentleness within Jesus. Yes, there was times where he, you could say, lost the plot, went into the temple, read them out. That was righteous anger. And there is a place for righteous anger sometimes within church life. But he was, there was a gentleness, and the apostle calls us to be a gentle people, and you need to see that within your eldership. Not quarrelsome. You're not going to be looking for somebody. There's some people, and they're, they're always at odds with somebody. They're always arguing with someone. The scripture says that's not the person to look for as an elder. They're there to be avoid. Someone who's contentious, always ready for an argument, always letting their mouth run away with them, always and something. That's not a person that you want to be your elder. Okay? They're not to be a lover of money and not to pursue dishonest gain. Because what happens sometimes is this. A love for possession takes away a love for God. Nothing wrong with having nice things when God blesses you that way. But when they become more important to someone than God and God's people, then that's where we have a difficulty. So someone who is going to be your elder should not love money. They need to manage their family well. We've already looked at that. And I want you to notice as well, um, in 1 Timothy 3 and 11, it says, and the women need to be worthy of respect. Now, I believe that's talking probably about women who were deaconesses. But what I would add to this is, and you might want to stone me for heresy, but I think it's common sense. Whoever the elder is, I think you need to look at their partner as well. Because if they're a malicious gossip, or there's someone who you know, isn't worthy of respect, and they're not temperate within themselves, they will cause difficulties then for that person who's leading. And you need to be careful. I remember hearing a story one time of an elder's wife, who at that time the elder was the treasurer of the church and was running around saying to people, and it might have been a joke, but it was a very inappropriate joke, I know what you earn. You don't want an elder like that, do you? Okay, so Susan, could you stop that? 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> um, children that are obedient, children who are respectful, that are not open to a charge being wild or disobedient. It's a big list, isn't it? And here, folks, you know, when your children home, you can do that, but when they leave home, you've no response, you can't but you need to make sure when a person has had their children at home that that elder is someone who brings their children to the house of God, not a, a new convert, and also a good reputation outside of the church. Because what you don't want to happen is somebody coming in as goody two-shoes, and then you hear, well, he's ruthless in business. Or do you hear what he's doing? Siphoning off this and doing that outside in his workplace. He's lazy at work, he's this, he's the other. That will bring the church into disrepute. So they need to be not only good in church, but good outside the church as well. So they're all important things. Now Titus goes into a wee list of his own, and we're going to not overbear. In other words, not somebody who's domineering. Okay, you don't want to domineer an elder. Okay, you need someone who has a, a bit of a gentleness about them, not quick-tempered, somebody who's going to fly off the handle. Um, that's really important, you know, because I think actually I maybe have missed out something there along the way. Um, I think there was something I, I missed it out there about not being violent. Now, I, I think in this day and age, people would know that if they started to slap people in church life, there would be an issue. Now, sometimes you're a wee pastor. <laughs> I think about it in my head, but I never do it. Honestly, I never do it. But in this age, friends, you might not get somebody doing that. But let me tell you, I've heard horror stories in church lives as well where pastors and elders become bullies. Like the scripture says here, quick-tempered and overbearing. Irritable, bad-tempered. They use their words to cut people. Friends, we need people that are peaceable people with grace, people with a heart to love. And you know, even Moses was driven to hitting the rock too many, you know, not he? Losing it because the people were constantly in his head, people constantly fighting, people constantly nipping at each other. And poor Moses lost the plot. And Moses physically didn't get into the promised land. Forty years he led those people. God help them, they never gave them a break. They never worked with them or got behind them. Forty years, and at the end of it, it seems so unfair. When I read, read that as a youngster, I think, that's so unfair. He had to put up with that love for 40 years, and he doesn't even get in. But he did spiritually. In church, there is something here too. You know, it's how, not only how we, our elders should be towards us, but how are we towards our elders it's a wee bit like the family illustration that scripture talks about as well. You know, it says, fathers, don't provoke your children. But sometimes our children can provoke us too. Lots of sensibility about us as we do life together and we serve together for the glory of God that we may be one. And it also talks about that they should love good, they should be upright, they should be just, and they should love justice. They should have a heart for justice. And of course, that last one is that they are to be holy. A life set apart unto God. Someone that you know, they have a real heart for God, a passion for God. And here's the truth. See if they have a passion for God, they'll have a passion for you. They'll have a real passion for you too, if they have a passion for God. Now church, there's quarter to one. That was long, wasn't it? Yeah, forgive me, but I want to get that done this morning. No, we're going to do, we're just going to pray. But... I'm going to pray now for us as a church family, but in this next season, think about us as a church and be asking God, God, show the pastor the right people. I have to examine people through the word. And our partners, we would want you to know in our previous situation, you were never called to do that with elders, but we feel it's right here to do that. And we would want our partners to come and say, yes, that's the right thing to do. Balances and checks. Does that make sense, church? It's just balances and checks that we're doing the right thing, that we can do the right thing to honor God, that we can conduct ourselves right. So we're going to pray this morning.
And I know you'll go and you'll pray about these things. Go back and read them. You'll talk about it this week in Life Group as well. And go away and read them and search your heart. And then we're, all we're going to do is going to have a cup of coffee and some donuts. Okay, I know you are all waiting for that. And just spend some time together. It's lovely to have Alison with us again. Yeah. Have we... A mic? Let me see if we've got a mic. Oh, it's bigger from here. <laughs> I would just like to share something with you because when I came here this morning, I was praying for this church because I grew up here. And I was just thanking God to be able to stand here as a child of God in, in an area where I grew up. And God showed me a picture of an, a, 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 a patch of oil. And the oil keeps spreading. And I believe it's this church. But I believe that he wants to tell this. It's, I've never done this before. He wants to tell you to come together as a church and fight like spiritual warriors, and that's in prayer. So that's when you were like talking yeah. about, you know, no gossiping or coming in, you know, making different groups. You need to come together as a church, the body of Christ, and pray, 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 and fight like spiritual warriors. And I believe that this church is really going to make some, such a difference in this area, and it's just going to spread like oil. But you just need to come together, church, and I, glo- I believe God wants to say that to you. Amen. Father, bless our family. Lord, we love this house. We love the purpose you've called us for. We love the fact that you put your trust in us to call us to be fishers of men and disciple makers. And Lord, we just desire that we would work to be one as you desire for us to be one, that we show those around about us, what real church is about. Lord, help us, Lord, to be a people who will work well together, who will have a heart for one another, heart to support each other. And Lord, when it comes actually to choosing elders, pray that we would do it biblically, prayerfully, that we would fast and seek your face. The Father God, that those that would come in, as we spoke about those characteristics this morning and we spoke about the role, that we know that they would be shepherded well, that they would be cared for well, that we would honor you and conduct ourselves well. Lord, will you bless this house? Will you bless these dear, lovely, ordinary people big hearts to make a difference God Father forgive us for the times we've got our focus on ourselves rather than on you there's not one of us Lord this morning that has been perfect but help us to order ourselves well that we carry the anointing and the blessing to be able to do what you called us to do so Lord bless us over the coffee Help us to share with one another and to love and encourage each other. May the spirit of gentleness be prevalent among us this day. In Jesus' lovely name, amen. Amen.